This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everyone. Welcome into the Pipeline Podcast again. Tim McMaster here along with Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis will be joining us along the way at some point. Uh, the trade deadline is behind us, so we're going to look into the deals, what prospects were moved, and, and which teams kind of got the best of those trades. And we're also going to talk about some big call-ups as we record this. Ahmed Rosario, Ozzy Albies getting ready to make their Major League debuts. But before we get to all of that, we're excited to be joined on the podcast this week by Nick Allen, the Oakland Athletics Organization, of course, just drafted back in June. Nick, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right, I guess my first question, Nick, will be the obvious one. Um, you know, 17 games under your belt in Arizona. How has the uh, adapting to pro ball gone for you so far? You know, it's been good so far. Uh, every day is, um, you know, something new. Uh, I'm just learning, trying to go out there and be the, my best self every day. Nick, uh, following up on just a little bit, what's been the biggest difference? Obviously, you know, you played, uh, you know, high level of baseball in Southern California, high school ranks. You did the summer showcase thing. Uh, you know, you, you played against good competition. But what, what's been the biggest difference between what you've seen uh, in, in, you know, in this rookie level league and, and what you had been used to? You know, I think uh, the biggest thing to adjust to has really been the speed of the game. You know, balls are hit a lot harder. Um, people are a lot faster. Pitchers, you know, are able to command about, you know, three pitches. So, I mean, it, it's it's all different, but it's just an adjustment, just getting used to it. So I think uh, being able to play all these games is definitely helpful, and it's only going to, um, you know, hopefully make me better. So I'm, uh, I'm definitely excited for the opportunity that I have here. Nick, I want to go back to uh, draft night, draft day with you real quick. Obviously, um, there had to be a little disappointment, I would think, in not going on day one of the draft. But then you end up going to Oakland on day two in the third round. And as far as the bonus goes and everything, that all obviously worked out uh, with the A's coming through. Just kind of take us through those couple of days. Did it feel like kind of an emotional roller coaster ride for you? I mean, yes and no. Uh, you know, we definitely had a plan going into it. Um, you know, to stay true to, you know, what I believe in myself. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be advised by, uh, you know, great, a great group in uh, Excel Sports Management. Um, and, you know, they just told me to stay calm, stay calm. You know, it's, it's going to get done. Uh, so I'm just very thankful for all that. Nick, uh, how much easier uh, does it get for you to, to be able to, you know, have obviously everyone uh, where you're playing, the level you're at right now, uh, is kind of in the, in the same boat as you. But, you know, Austin Beck is a guy who was the A's first round pick, another high school kid. Obviously, uh-huh. uh, he, he, he may be a little bit behind just because, you know, he missed time last summer. He didn't play and, and, and things of that nature. But uh, – being in the same part of the process as a, as a guy like Austin, as a high school kid just starting out, does that, does that make the transition any easier for you? I mean, yeah, of course. You know, you know we're, we're there every step of the way for each other. You know, we're actually roommates, too. So uh, 
that makes it even even better. And we're able to talk about certain things, um, you know, just keep our head head straight, keep going. Uh, and you know, also, we're, we're, I mean, I feel like we've grown as good friends too. So I think that's awesome. All right. Well, so I think the the important thing, and it's one thing you actually can sort of hold over him, is that uh, you've hit more homers than he has. Um, and you know, I know coming into the draft, Nick, everyone talked about your power. I'm just I'm just kidding. Take us through that a little bit. Uh, obviously, it's not a major part of your game, but uh, that that must have been pretty fun to get that first pro homer uh, uh, out of the way. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. And honestly, it just came as a surprise because uh, and it was. It was the first pitch of the game, and we were the away team. Um, so I just jumped on an early inside fastball and, you know, just hit it left center. It was like, like a line drive, and it just kept carrying just went over. So uh, definitely a surprise. But um, I know I can do that, but I also know that it's not really part of my game yet. Um, or So just to say keep hitting line drives, keep getting on base, I think that's what I'm, I'm just focusing on right now. I like that yet. It'll come. It'll come, Nick. Um, one thing that is a big part of your game is obviously the glove and, and what you're able to do defensively at shortstop. And we've been running uh, that highlight play from the Perfect Game All-American game last summer over and over and over again in all of our clips, just kind of showing off what you can do. Um, but just talk about that and the focus on the defense. And when you go into pro ball and you're already known as a great defender, um, just talk about the motivation to keep working at it and to get better defensively. Well, yeah, um, I feel like being able to take a significant amount of ground balls every day is just only going to help me, um, and also to work on stuff that I need to work on because these the hitters are a lot faster now. So the balls in the hole, I can't really round and, and um, do my normal you know normal thing that I usually do. I got to be able to go backhand and get rid of it. So. Uh, I think that's something that I'm just working on right now and just keep getting better at. But definitely it's, it's awesome to be able to do something every day and, you know, work to get better at it and on something in a game that I love. So I'm just a very thankful and fortunate. You know, Nick, I think that's one thing that's going to be a little bit different for you now and it probably started somewhat last year is that you, know, you, ha- you, you come in now with that reputation of – being a a plus defender at short you're definitely a play at short while i would imagine especially early on in your amateur career i would think that people took one look at you and thought well he can't play shortstop you know and i would and you know knowing you a little bit i'm sure that fueled you somewhat does it does that change at all you know like you have to live up to those expectations rather than you know proving doubters wrong or is there still that sort of uh, I'm a slightly undersized guy, chip on your shoulder. You know, I, I definitely do have a chip on my shoulder, um, especially with everything that, you know, that's gone on. Uh, but, you know, I just stay focused on what I need to do. Um, try not to worry about uh, anything else. Just go out and, you know, play hard every day and work on things I need to work on so I can, you know, be ready, be 100%, um, be at my best every time I step on the field. Now, uh, Nick, I don't know how much you guys at the complex pay attention, but uh, your parent organization wa- was quite busy uh, during the trade deadline, adding uh, a lot of talent. Um, just because of guys that were added, I think you dropped three spots in our top 30, not because of anything you did, but just because of guys they brought in. Is that something that guys around there are paying attention to, and does it you know, make you more excited to be part of 
of a, of a wave of, of now a deeper talent coming up through the system? You know, I really haven't paid too much attention to it, but, uh, you know, definitely just hearing that, it's very exciting. And, um, you know, definitely the, the A's are heading in a really, really good direction. I'm, I'm very excited. Hopefully, hopefully be a part of that. So um, I'm just thankful for all these opportunities and can't say enough about, you know, the A's organization in a whole. All right, Nick. Well, that's going to do it for us. Thanks so much for joining us, and stay cool out there in the Arizona heat this summer. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Good stuff there from Nick Allen. And, Jonathan, you've known him for a little bit now. And and I don't know if it came through in the interview, but a really fun kid to deal with. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he plays the game with a certain passion. He loves to prove people wrong. I love that he, you know, basically admitted that he does have a chip on his shoulder because he's been told for a long time that he's too small. Uh, but he can flat out play shortstop. Nice to see him swinging the bat pretty well off the start. But, yeah, got to know him a little bit. Uh, during la you know the summer before uh, on the showcase circuit, uh, so I'm at Tournament of Stars. Speaking of the showcase circuit, and we have Jim Callis joining us now as well. And Jim was at the Under Armour All American Game at Wrigley Field, a big part of that summer showcase. And Jim, it was all about the pitching, right? It was. It was. Uh, you know, we started off with the two best pitchers, arguably, in the entire class. And Ethan Hankins and Kamar Rocker starting off in the first inning and looking very impressive. And the pitchers stayed impressive the whole time. It was funny. I, I was never aware of what the extra inning rules were, but we learned up. They kind of made it up on the fly, but it was they kept the game going. And we got Matthew Libertor, who might be the most polished pitcher in the class, wound up getting the win with three innings. And uh, the, the last pitcher for the national team, J.T. Ginn, was also one of the best pitchers we saw, or the last scheduled pitcher. And when they ran out of pitching, they turned to uh, Mike Ciani, a center fielder who is a two-way player for his high school team and, and does have a good arm. And he, he pitched a scoreless 10th before giving up the winning around the 11th. So it was a lot of impressive pitching all the way around. So almost running out of pitching, was there a chance that we were in a situation where next year they might have had to make this count? <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. Uh, but they, they, they were, there was talk. I think we could have gone 12. I mean, it was J.T. Ginn who, who hit some 97s when he came into the game. I know you guys saw him pitch very well at the Tournament of Stars also. Uh, he, he was very impressive, but he was supposed to pitch at East Coast Pro this week. And so when they asked him to pitch the third inning, he said, you know what, I'm supposed to pitch on, I think it was Wednesday. So he couldn't quite, uh, he couldn't quite go. But uh, Mike Ciani, who, who's got a very good arm, I think you guys have seen him play well as well, or Jonathan did when you were at Tournament of Stars. Yep. And, uh, and he came in and pitched a scoreless 10th and kind of ran out of gas a little bit in the 11th. But we were told 12 innings was our max. All right. So we've learned that there's a lot of good high school pitching heading into the next year's draft. That's one thing we can take away at this point in the summer. Let's move on to the trade deadline and the big moves from deadline day and also uh, the teams that really collected on the prospect side. But um, let's start with the Darvish deal and the Dodgers who have become – I, I don't see how they could lose, but it's baseball, so it could very easily happen. But uh, right. to basically, they need to get Clayton Kershaw back as well. But to add you, Darvish, is pretty impressive. And then to add Tony Watson and Tony Sangrani as well. Um, but the Darvish deal, you know, he didn't come cheap. Willie Calhoun, number four prospect, number 17 prospect, A.J. Alexi, and number 27 prospect, Brendan Davis. Jonathan, when you think of getting a starting pitcher on a rental basis, that's a pretty good haul for the Rangers. Yeah, I, I think it's a good trade for, for both teams. It may sound like a, a cop-out, but I, I think that you know Darvish was probably the best available starter still on the market, especially after uh, the Sonny Gray trade went down uh, and it looked like and Justin Verlander really wasn't going anywhere. Um, you know, but at the same time, the Dodgers didn't give up Walker Bueller. 
They didn't give up Alex Verdugo, and they didn't give up Yadier Alvarez. So they kept their top three. Um, it's a really, you know, it's a, it's, it's a deep system, and, yeah, it, it certainly takes a hit. And I love Willie Calhoun, and, and maybe, you know, an American League team is, is probably the, the best place for him because he is a little defensively challenged in, just in terms of You're where, being where a little kind profile. there, Jonathan. I'm trying to be nice. Uh, his best position is batter's box. There is no, there is no question uh, about about that at, at all. Um, and I'll tell a very quick Willie Calhoun story, uh, just to sort of give you a sense that that someone relayed to me um, that I guess uh, early on in his pro career, uh, you know, he was with the team, and they asked him, uh, you know, well, so where's your best position? And Calhoun looked at him and said, the three hole. <laughs> so that's that's kind of who he is. So you know, I, I think the, the Rangers got some some good talent they added to their system. Calhoun, I think, has a chance to be a an impact bat soon. And the Dodgers didn't have to give up any of their their top three guys. That's a win win for me. And that seems like kind of a, a theme from this trade deadline: the fact that nobody gave up their top top talent in in a lot of these trades. And when you look at what the Yankees did for Sonny Gray. Uh, Jim, they give up uh, Fowler and Mateo and Caprillion. Obviously, that's some talented guys. They go in those three guys into the top 11 prospects in the A's system now. Uh, but two of those guys have big question marks next to them right now as far as the injuries go. And Mateo, it seems, has some maturing to do. So none of those guys are a slam dunk, but still a pretty good haul for the A's, isn't it? It is. And I'd say as much as we all love prospects, no prospect really a slam dunk. I mean, I think, you know, touch on the Darvish deal for one second. It still amazes me that the Rangers got less than him than what the Cubs got for, I mean, what the Yankees got for Chapman, uh, who was a similar situation, headed toward pre agency last year, reliever versus starter, but there just wasn't a big market for Darvish yesterday. I'm kind of surprised the Astros didn't get involved and maybe, you know, make a move because I think they really could have used Darvish. But with the A's, yeah, I mean, you could look at it and say, Gee, you know, two of the guys that got her out for the year and Mateo's stock has slipped. But, but, you know, I think they potential difference makers, whereas, you know, the Dodgers got, you know, potential difference maker in Calhoun, who's probably a left fielder or a DH. Um, you know, A.J. Alexi can maybe slot in a three or four spot, and Brendan Davis is projectable. They didn't get three guys like the like the Yankees got for Sonny Gray. And I, I know he's controllable. Um, I know he's pitched better as of late than Darvish, so there's some differences there. Yeah, no, I think uh, you, you know the the the, the Sunny Gray trade. I mean, there, all those trades when it involves prospects, you know, there's that sort of incomplete. Well, we have to wait and see, and that's true. But I think in this case in particular, we're gonna have to wait and see. Uh, you know, I think if there's ifs with all three guys, you know, uh, you know, Mateo is the healthy one, you know, but if what he's done in double A is the fact that that switch went off and he, you know, and he's starting to live up to his immense potential. Uh, and then if Caprillion comes back from Tommy John surgery, which, you know, does happen more and more, but he's pitched so little, we, you know, we, we don't really know what to expect. And if Fowler's knee injury isn't so prohibitive of him, you know, this is a guy that speed was a part of his game. I think he's still going to hit enough. You know, if those are all positive answers for the A's, then they got three top 100 caliber players for Sunday Gray, and suddenly it becomes a, a much better haul for them than maybe people thought at the surface because two of the guys are on the shelf. I know scouts like Fowler better than Clint Frazier, and they think he's a better all-around player. You know, Mateo, while his stock has gone down, still has top-of-scale speed and, and surprising pop, and even if he's not a shortstop, that works at second or center. And, you know, Caprillion, we, all, we both saw him in the fall league last year, 
I mean, and he'd flash you four plus pitches and plus control. So, I, I, you know, again, I mean, guys, you know, this isn't the 1970s. Guys do come back from surgery, you know, in most cases as good as new. And they got three very high ceiling guys there. And the Yankees have uh, gone from sellers a year ago to big buyers this year uh, as they are going all in once again. And they loaded up that system. And you had a feeling they're not just going to wait for all this talent to come to the major leagues. They're the Yankees. It's win now. They traded a lot of talent away at this deadline, um, but they look like a team that's going to be a contender now. And that kind of brings us into, because one of their other big deals they made was with the White Sox. And when you look at teams that really were able to add more talent, it's amazing that with all the trades the White Sox had already made, they made this many trades in July, Jonathan, and added this much more talent to the system. They have to be one of the big winners on the prospect side of this deadline. Oh, without question, they just continue to to do what they're doing. I think we talked about at the time, you know, going back to the Quintana trade, which we've talked about on this very podcast, you know, the, that they have done a very good job of, of getting good returns for trades. You know, so when you start with Jimenez and Dylan Cease and that Quintana trade, and then they added Blake Rutherford in that Todd Frazier trade with the, with the Yankees, that's three top 100 guys right there. Uh, you know, but then they added a, a bunch of other guys – in a variety of trades, Casey Gillespie and Ryan Cordell, uh, Ian Clarkin, uh, you know, these, these are all guys, AJ Puckett. I think that's everybody that land, at least that landed on their top 30. And as you pointed out, it was already a, a vastly improved and deep system because of the trades from the winner. So for them to add that much top 30 talent uh, is again, a, a nice job for them to, to, to hit that sort of reset button. And, Jim, this is why you wait until after the deadline to re-rank the systems because obviously the Yankees have sent away a lot of talent and, and don't here go the White Sox continuing to add. No, I agree. I mean, we, it's funny. We'll have a new farm system story out in the next day or two. And I, I actually I think I'm in the minority among the, the, the pipeline staffers. I, I actually thought the Yankees had the third-best farm system going into the trade deadline, and, and I still feel they have the third-best farm system. They won't come out quite that high in our rankings, but their depth is still – incredibly impressive. I think that's another reason they were able to trade the guys they did is they felt comfortable. They still had a lot more talent on the way. All right, I want to get to the call-ups today, but before that, we want to take a second to tell you about the Fantasy 411 podcast. Want to win your fantasy league this year? Whether you're playing 10-team head-to-head against your friends or a 20-team expert dynasty format, Fred Zinke and Matthew Leach can give you the edge. Last week's episode broke down a few high upside options for owners in need of impact pitching and put the word out on undervalued second baseman who's probably sitting on your league's waiver wire. Before you set your lineup or hit the waiver wire, subscribe Fantasy 411 Podcast on Apple Podcasts today. Okay, so Ahmed Rosario will make his big league debut tonight with the Mets as we record this on Tuesday. Ozzy Albies and Lucas Sims with the Braves. Let's start with Rosario because Mets fans have kind of been itching for this, I think, since opening day, or at least since the Mets kind of showed that it was going to be a disappointing season. Yeah, I mean, and there are some similarities, I think, to Rosario and Albies just in terms of the fan base being excited. You know, Rosario is a, is a better prospect, number two overall on our top 100, and uh, he. he there's reason for them to be excited. You know, I think the combination of the Mets having a disappointing year and him just absolutely raking at such a young age at AAA, uh, it was always one of those, okay, the clock is ticking. Uh, when's that timer going to go off? And it sounds like the Mets were always eyeing the beginning of August to, to be able to do that. It, 
it sounded to me like they would have wouldn't have minded to be able to move a couple of other pieces out of the way to make room for him. But he's going to play. You don't call guys like Ahmed Rosario or Ozzy Albies up and not have them play. You know, as close to every day as 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 you're going to do. So he's going to play, and I think uh, he's going to show the fact that he's got a whole bunch of tools. I mean, he can really hit. He's got power that he's just starting to tap into. Uh, he has a chance to be a plus-plus defender at short. Uh, you know, I think initially you might see a little bit of the make the fantastic flashy play and, and then you know, have trouble with the uh, the easy ones on, on occasion as the consistency sometimes takes a, a little while for, for younger players. But he's as legitimate a shortstop prospect, you know, as you know, and belongs in the same conversation as some of the guys that have made their way to the big leagues over the last few years, Lindor and Correa, Seager, guys like that. Sandy Alderson actually saying he won't play every day, but I feel like once he's there, you got to find a way to get him into the lineup. That's that's lowering the expectation. Yeah, bar. exactly. Uh, Jim, when you look at Rosario's numbers this year, obviously they're tremendous. It is Las Vegas. How much of a factor is the launching pad in Vegas when you look at his numbers? It's a huge factor. I mean, Las Vegas inflates everybody's numbers, but I mean, he's a legitimate hitter. I mean, I do think, I mean, frankly, you know, I think we've said this before on the podcast. I mean, the Mets should have called him up about a month ago. There's no reason to wait this long, but hey, it's the Mets. So, uh, you know, I guess they had to take longer to figure out than the rest of us did. All right, let's move on to Ozzie Albies and uh, Lucas Sims will, will start for the Braves, but Albies, I think, will draw more attention. And it didn't take long on Twitter, uh, Pipeline tweeting it out there that he was going to start. And, and the Braves fans are all in now on Ozzy Albies. Obviously, um, you know, Swanson is down. We thought at some point they'd both be up together, and they probably will be in September at the latest, Jim. But what can Braves fans expect to see from Albies in the big league lineup? I, I think he's, he's a very polished hitter. I mean, he's hit everywhere he's gone, despite being young for his age uh, compared to his league. He can run. He can play defense. I'll be curious, and this all broke while I was in flight, <laughs> So I didn't really see any of the particulars. If they're out yet, is he going to play short or is he going to play second? Uh, are they going to bench Brandon Phillips to play him, or is he going to get some more playing time in short now that Swanson's in the minors? Do you guys know yet? I do not know yet. Uh, I have to uh, in- inquire as to th- that uh, very question. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a good point. He had, you know, Albies had been playing some shortstop this year. Uh, you know, it should be noted that he has a chance to – you know, he could be a very good shortstop if it were another organization. That's where he'd be playing and shifted over because of Swanson. Uh, so uh, I don't know what they're going to want to do uh, if they're feeling that eventually Swanson's going to rejoin him as that double play combination. It might be easier to sort of slide him back in at, at second base, but we'll have to see. Do you expect Swanson to be back sooner rather than later with this, so they can play together again for a little bit? Or I would. Why not? Right. I mean, what, you know, what, why why wouldn't you? Uh, at this point, the Braves aren't contending this year. They're building for the future, and that is their future. I mean, Swanson and Albies up the middle is what I think everybody had envisioned for for quite some time. So, uh, you, you know, I think that's how they should finish the season out. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us. We're out of time. Another good Pipeline podcast, though. We want to thank Nick Allen for joining us on the show this week as we took a look back at the trade deadline and also some big call-ups. We can react to Rosario and Albie's first week in the major leagues on next week's podcast. For Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 